Okay, let's open up in a word of prayer and we'll get right into it. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you so much, Lord, that we can gather today, Lord, and worship you, Lord. You are a God that is full of righteousness and truth, Lord, and you're the one that wants to minister to our hearts, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that your word would impact our hearts and our lives, and that you'd help us to be people, Lord, that want to glorify and honour you with our lives. We'd like to ask that you would teach us through your spirit today. Please help me to speak. And I just ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm just going to do a reading from uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 through to 17. John chapter 3, verses 1 through to 17. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God was with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And you do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. And if I told you heavenly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you, tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who was in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Today, we live in a a very spiritual and religious world. I mean, people get caught up in New Age religion, like mixing Buddhism and Hinduism with the occult. Some people are attracted to cult groups like the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses. And other people get caught up in old-fashioned religion, just traditional religion. They may speak good things about Jesus and agree that Jesus is a great spiritual teacher. But they lack the reality of knowing God and being right with God. I mean, if we were to ask these people the question, if you were to die tonight, are you 100% sure you'd be welcome in heaven? They may say, yes, because I do good things. I'm a nice person. I go to church. I do good to others and I give to the poor. And others may say, well, no, I'm not good enough to get to heaven. I have a bad conscience. They might have a bad conscience because of lusting or anger. 
because of deceit and greed and unforgiveness. Or they may have pride in their heart where they disobey God and reject God. But what we need to ask are the questions of these. What does Jesus say about getting to heaven? And can you be sure that you're going to heaven? And today's sermon today is called God's Way of Salvation. And we're going to be looking at three points. The first one is, does religion get someone to heaven? Because some people believe that it does get them to heaven. Um, The second point will be, what does Jesus mean by born again? Because a lot of people have messed up the meaning of born again through history, and it's good to actually find out what it really means. And the third point is this, how does God make people born again? Because born again is something that is important to God. Now, first point is this, does religion get someone to heaven? John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now Nicodemus, he was a religious man. He was brought up in a Jewish household. His country and laws and heritage were from God. This man would have went to the synagogue every Sabbath and been a person that read the Bible and taught it and followed it. Nicodemus, he was a part of a group of the people called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were most likely the people that ran the synagogue or were leaders in the weekly gathering. I mean, the word Pharisee, it means this. It's one who makes a separation. So Nicodemus desired to be separated to God and do what's right. Now, Nicodemus, he wasn't like the Sadducees, the priests who ran the temple. The Sadducees were very liberal. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in the spirits. They didn't believe um, in the resurrection of the dead. So the Sadducees would have been very peeved off with Jesus when they saw him healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, and doing all these things that are against their beliefs. But the Pharisees actually believed these things. They believed in angels, they believed in the spirits, they believed in the resurrection of the dead. So Nicodemus was a person who wanted to believe biblically correct things. Nicodemus, he was a ruler of the Jews. In other words, he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which is the highest court in Judea which is only reserved for 70 members. And if a person had a hard court case, they would have been going to those 70 members, and one of the people sitting there would have been Nicodemus, who was specialised in dealing with these matters. Now in John 3, 2, it says this, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God was with him. So Nicodemus went to Jesus at night, and a lot of people go, why did he go there? Well, if you look in John chapter 2, verse 23 through to 25, it says this, now when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men, and he had no need that anyone should testify of man for he knew what was in man. So Nicodemus would have been one of the people that saw the miracles that Jesus did. He would have had a faith in Jesus that was based on the miracles that he'd done. Nicodemus also had a confession about Jesus, according to John 3, 2, because Nicodemus believed that Jesus was a teacher from God. He believed that God was with Jesus, and he believed that Jesus' miracles were from God. 
And today we have many religious people who would think that Jesus is a good teacher from God, a great man, a prophet, or even a spiritual teacher. But Jesus is not content to leave people in a system that compliments him nicely and don't have their sins forgiven. But they fall short of being saved from their sins. In John 3.3, Jesus says this to Nicodemus. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now I want to share something with you about this verse because this is the verse that God used to confront me about being saved. I mean, with me, I I understood when I was reading the Bible that I'm a sinner and I don't deserve to go to heaven. I understood from reading the Bible that I actually deserve to go to hell. But I thought that I had to do good works and stop doing bad works to get to heaven. But what I was believing was 100% wrong. Jesus said this, he said, unless a man's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So religion cannot get you to heaven. Good works do not get you to heaven. Being committed to a church does not get you to heaven. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Which brings us to point two. What does Jesus mean by being born again? Now, when I first heard the words born again, I had no idea what born again meant. Now, born again in the Greek language is geneo anathen. Or nothing, I mean. And it means this to be born from above, to be begotten from on high, to be born anew, to be born from a higher place. In the Bible, it's called regeneration, which is putting new life into someone. Born again is new life, it's new birth, it's a spiritual resurrection, a new creation. Born again is when God takes someone who is spiritually dead and makes them spiritually alive. Born again is when God takes someone with a sinful nature and puts a righteous nature inside them. Born again means to be born into the family of God, where God becomes your spiritual father and you become a child of God. And this birth gives new life, and that life is not temporal but everlasting and eternal. And this is what Jesus said in John 8, 34 through to 35. He said, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. So being born again makes you a part of the household of God. Because Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Now in John 3, 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, Nicodemus, he wasn't asking this question because he believed in reincarnation. Reincarnation is not a belief found in the Bible. Reincarnation teaches that if you do good, you'll get a better rebirth. But if you do bad, you get a bad rebirth. You might come back as a a snake or a slug or you know, a snail or a spider, or you might even come back as a hippopotamus. But reincarnation is not taught in the Bible. The Bible teaches in Hebrews 9.27, and it's appointed for men to die once, and after this, the judgment. 
So the Bible teaches this. You live once, you die once, and after death, God judges you. And there's no second chances after death. So it's urgent to make sure that you're right with God before you die. Because Jesus said this, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now in John 3, 4 through to 6, Nicodemus asked, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Now, Jesus explains that people need to be born of the water and of the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. So they need two births. Now, some people have taught that being born of the water is water baptism. And in history, people have called this baptismal regeneration meaning that when someone is baptised in the water, they are made born again. I mean, even Justin Martyr in the second century practised baptism at the rising of the sun because he believed if you baptise someone at the rising of the sun, it would make someone born again. I mean, the Catholic Church teaches that if you baptise a baby in the water, then that baby is born again. But baptism doesn't make anyone born again. It doesn't at all. And the reason why we can understand this is because in 1 Corinthians 1.17, the Apostle Paul said this, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be of no effect. And in Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul said this, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, which is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Now, if baptism could make someone born again, surely it would have been a part of the gospel message. I mean, the Apostle Paul was not sent to baptise, he was actually sent to preach the gospel, and he taught that the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Now, I don't believe that baptism makes someone born again. And other people believe that, um, that being born of the water is to actually be born of the Word of God, and it's true that we need the Word of God to be born again, and I'll usually quote Ephesians 5.26, where in Ephesians 5.26 it says that the water is the Word of God. But I have a different view to these two. My view is this, right? Because when I look at the context of John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, I believe to be born of the water is the first birth a person has. When they're a baby, they're surrounded by water. The, the water breaks within the mother and then the baby is born. It's their first birth. While being born of the Spirit is the second birth, which is done by the Holy Spirit. And I want to share from you my reason for that. And it's found in John 3, verse 6, which is in the context. That which is born of flesh is flesh, which is being born of the water. And that which is born of Spirit is Spirit, which is being born of the Spirit showing that we need a second birth to enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is not teaching Jesus, um, Nicodemus that he needs two births of the flesh, but that Nicodemus needs to be born of the flesh, which we all are, and in the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. 
Now, the kingdom of God is the domain and realm of God. It's where God reigns and rules over all those who are a part of his kingdom. And when a person is born again, they actually enter the kingdom of God and they live under God's rule. They have the promise of seeing God's future kingdom as well as going to heaven. And that's what it means to enter the kingdom of God. Now in John 3, 7 through to 8, Jesus said this. He said, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now this verse, it describes two things. The first thing it describes is there is a miracle and a mystery about being born again. And the second thing it describes is this. It's the Spirit of God that makes someone born again. Now in the miracle and the mystery of being born again, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through to 37. That's Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through to 37. And the context is, is the angel Gabriel's come to Mary to announce how Jesus is to be conceived in her. So it's Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through to 37. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can these things be, since I have not known a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One that will be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to the word. And the angel departed from her. Now, I've got something that I want you to think about, and it's these questions. And ask yourself this. Can you explain how God the Father, the first person of the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, takes Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, makes him into a little baby embryo and puts him inside Mary. And if you really think about it, could you explain how God does that? Because if you start to think about these things, Jesus is actually being born from above. And it's another word or a term for being born again. And the reason why you can't explain how God does it, it's this. It's because it's a miracle. Miracles can't be explained because they're God's business. They're the things that God does. Now, I've got another question for you. Can you explain how the Holy Spirit takes a new nature that has no sin in it, that can perform righteousness that is acceptable to God and puts it inside a sinful person? 
And your sinful nature does not touch that new nature. Because with me, I, I can't explain it. All I can say is it's a miracle. It's something that God does. I mean, you can't mix two chemicals together and drink the glass and you become born again. I mean, you can't make yourself born again by wishful thinking or positive thinking. It's the Spirit of God that makes you born again. For what we need from God is a new nature. God doesn't come into the world to clean up our old nature. He comes to give us a new one. I mean, Jesus didn't come to recondition our old nature and make it better. He came to make us a new creation in Christ, which the Spirit of God fashioned so that we can become Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, in John 3.8, it says this, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Now, in John 3.8, this verse can be translated two ways, because both ways, it's kind of a play on words, which is hitting on two things. Now, the word for wind, you can look it up in the Greek, it can actually be translated spirit, right? The word for blows, it can actually be translated breathes. And the word for sound, it can be translated voice. And it's the same word for voice, which is found in John 10, 27, where Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So John 3, 8, it can be translated like this. The Spirit breathes where it wishes, and you hear the voice of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone born of God. And what that shows us is this, is that the Spirit of God enlightens the Word of God to make people born again. And that Word which He enlightens is the Gospel. And that's why it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 and 25, it says this, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. <clears throat> now this is the word which was pre which was which, now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. So the Spirit of God makes people born again through the preaching of the gospel. And this is the gospel message that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried. And he rose on the third day, according to the Scriptures. And what the Spirit of God does is enlighten our hearts and our minds to understand how that message deals with our sin, to take it away, and gives us everlasting life. Which brings us to our third point. And my pages are stuck together, which is not good. Got it. Our third point is this. How does God make people born again? Just take a sip. How does God make people born again? Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? That's verse 9. So what Nicodemus is asking is, how can people be made born again? Now, the first thing that Jesus points out to Nicodemus is, is what stops Nicodemus from being born again? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? 
So Nicodemus, he should have known about this being a teacher of Israel, but he didn't. Because sometimes people spend so much time being religious that they miss the main point. Sometimes people major on the minors and miss the whole picture. Sometimes people can look the part, but be no part at all. Now, Jesus reveals the reason why Nicodemus is not born again in John 3, 11 through to 12. And this is what Jesus said to him. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe... How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now, Nicodemus' problem was a faith issue. Jesus had testified to Nicodemus the truth, but Nicodemus did not receive his witness. That's in verse 11. And Jesus had told Nicodemus earthly things, but Nicodemus did not believe, which is verse 12. So if a person rejects the truth of Jesus and does not believe, he cannot be born again. For in John 1 verse 12, it says this, But as many as receive him, that's Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, that's born again, to those who believe in his name. Because John 1 12 deals with receiving Jesus and believing on him, and that's what Nicodemus was not doing. So if someone does not believe the truth about Jesus, then the Spirit of God does not breathe into their life to make them born again. Because born again comes through receiving Jesus and believing that he died on the cross for us, for our sins. Because in Hebrews 11:6 it says this, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. For people are made born again through faith in Christ Jesus. Now Jesus goes on to show how God makes it possible for people to be born again. In John 3, 13, it says this, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. So Jesus, he's the son of man. He came down from heaven so that we can be born from above. And he actually did ascend back up there after his earthly ministry. Then Jesus said in John 3, verses 14 through to 15, he said this, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, turn in your Bibles to Numbers 21. Numbers 21, verses 4 through to 9. That's Numbers 21, verses 4 through to 9. Okay, Numbers 21, verses 4 through to 9. Now, the context is is that the children of Israel have come out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness, and they're on the way to the promised land, which is Canaan at the time, but it's going to get its name changed to Israel. Then they, which is Israel, journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea, 
to go around the land of Edom. And the souls of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our souls loathe this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take the serpents from us. So Moses prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, so that it, so, and it, so it was if a, a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived." Now what we see here is this, right? You've got this bronze serpent that is lifted up and what has happened is, is that Israel had sinned against God. And because Israel sinned against God, God sent fiery serpents to bite them. And if we look at their sins, they accused God falsely. They were unthankful to God for what he provided and they grumbled against God. And if we look at the world today, we sin against God too. And we're affected by sin. I mean, we have a world that's filled with blasphemy, with lying, stealing, hating and lusting and people that don't even want God in their lives. And if we look at God's judgment on Israel at the time when they grumbled, he sent fiery serpents to bite them and they brought death into their life. Right? But if you look at us in the world, we're affected by another serpent, the lie from the Garden of Eden, which brought death to all of us. Now what God said to Moses is put the serpent on the pole and everyone that looks at it would be healed straight away. They'll live. Right? But with us, we've got Jesus. What he did is he was crucified. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. He was lifted up on the cross. And it says that whoever believes in him would have everlasting life. Because we're not saved by good works or religion or any of these things. We're saved by trusting in Jesus Christ. And if you really think about it, God made salvation very simple for us. I mean, God saves people through believing that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and rose from the dead. I remember when I first discovered that God saves people by faith. And these are the words that I said to myself. I said, how could I be so stupid? God made it so simple and I made it difficult. Because I believed that I had to do good works to get accepted. I believed all these wrong things, but just simply trusting in the Lord that he died on the cross for my sins, the Spirit of God entered my life and saved me. Now in John 3, 16, it goes on to say this. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now God, he sends his son from eternity to be the sacrifice for our sins. And God's motive for the world is actually love, because God is love. I mean, in the Bible, in 1 John 3.16, it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. 
In Romans 5.8 it says, But God demonstrated his love for us. In why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And in John 15.13 it says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. So Jesus actually loves us and he proves it in action by dying on the cross for our sins. And because he died for our sins and rose from the dead, he can give these two promises, which are found in John 3.16. And the first promise is this, that whoever believes on Jesus shall not perish. That means that they are no longer under God's condemnation. They are no longer separated from God. They will never end up in hell. And the reason why is this. It's because Jesus suffered and died on the cross for their sins. The second great promise is this. It's that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. Because everlasting life is being born again. Born again is being a child of God, having God as your spiritual father. Everlasting life is a new nature and being born from above. Being a part of God's kingdom with a new hope and a new destiny. For born again is the start of everlasting life. And why does this happen to a believer? It's because Jesus rose from the dead. He's the one, he defeated our sin, he defeats our death, and he gives new life and he does it through faith. Because in Galatians 3.26 it says this, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So there's hope for the world. In John 3.17 it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now Jesus, he is the saviour of the world. He has the power to take away our sins. So in conclusion, if you're not a believer, you need to understand that you've actually sinned against God. You need to understand that religion will not get you to heaven, neither will good works, neither will being a good person. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. And for you to be born again, you need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead to save you. And if there's anything stopping you from trusting Christ, then you need to repent. You need to change your mind and trust in Christ to save you. You need to turn from unbelief to belief. Turn from false belief to true belief. Turn from trusting yourself to trusting Christ. One of the things that I teach with kids' programs is I usually teach the kids the A, B, and the C. And I'm, I just keep teaching people that because it's the easiest way to teach people. But A is ask, B is believe, and C is commit. And what I say to people is this, right? You need to ask God to forgive you of your sins because it's your sin that separates you from God. The B is believe. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again to give you eternal life. Because as soon as you believe, you are saved. And when you're saved, commit. Come follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't save us to live in our sins. He saves us so that he will live in us. Now, I'm just going to ask you all to bow your heads because if there is someone here that's not saved that you know, wants to profess their faith in Christ in prayer, 
I'm actually going to pray for you to pray. And I'll read the prayer out to you, and then if you do want to follow and pray, you can pray it, then I'll close in prayer at the end. But the prayer goes like this. Dear God, please forgive me of all my sins. I believe that Jesus died to pay for all my sins. He rose from the dead so that I can be accepted by you. I believe that I am forgiven of all my sins and have everlasting life by trusting in Jesus to save me. Thank you for loving me. Please come into my life and help me to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's just bow our heads. If there is someone here that does want to pray it, I'm just going to pray it again. Dear God, please forgive me for all my sins. I believe that Jesus died to pay for all my sins. He rose from the dead so that I could be accepted by you. I believe that I'm forgiven of all my sins and have everlasting life by trusting in Jesus to save me. Thank you for loving me. Please come into my life and help me to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you so much that we could learn about born again today, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that and thank you for the salvation that you give. You made it simple, Lord. We make it difficult. You're the one that bore all our sins at the cross. You're the one that destroyed sin and death in our lives. We only have hope through you. And we thank you that your hope is a sure hope. I pray, Lord, that you bless our week. Please help us to walk with you and fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.